You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Chris Neal. My name is Chris Neal, uh, associate pastor here, also the men's pastor, humble to be a part of all this. And I get to tell you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I get to tell you guys about Exodus chapters 3 and 4, so we'll be there all morning. You can turn to them, you can find them. And I want you to know, Tommy's off marrying somebody, and he's super bummed that he didn't get to, he didn't get to tell you about Exodus 3 and 4. He really is. He's super bummed. And so, you get me, but instead, don't log off. Please don't, please don't Exodus the room. That'd be really hard on my, on my identity there. But I'm super happy to be here because I get to tell you about the story of Moses and how Moses has this encounter with God. And then through this encounter with God, Moses learns his true identity. And even better than that, he learns God's true identity. So Moses, he goes from being this, this sheep herder, shepherd, or he goes from, from being a sheep herder on the run, from all the bad decisions and bad things he had done, and God uses him to set captives free. And that's a beautiful story. And I'm not saying I'm Moses, but in reading his story and looking over my story, like we have a lot of odd similarities because I really didn't understand my calling and everything that God was trying to do until I had an encounter with God and I learned my true identity. And like Moses, I was on the run from bad decisions and bad things that I had done. And like Moses, I became a farmer. Yes, a goat farmer. That's right. It's a true story. I was almost like this semi-respected science teacher, and I felt this calling from God. And I didn't know what to do with all this. And so one day in my running from God... I went up to my beautiful wife, Katie, and I said, I think I'm just going to become a goat farmer. And that was Katie, my wife. It was one of the happiest days of her life <laughs> when she heard that. Yeah. And <laughs> so I said, I think I'm going to be a goat farmer. She's like, really? <laughs> What's that pay? I said, well, it's negotiable. But uh, so I grew a beard. I got a staff, really it was like a stick with a wiffle ball bat on it, and I started herding me some goats, and I'm not widely known for all of my eloquent speeches and all that kind of stuff, but, but man, I had this encounter with God, and through that encounter, man, I was changed, and I learned that through all my flaws and shortcomings that God can still use somebody to set captives free, especially men, in my case. So let's get back to where we left off last week. If you remember that, uh, so the Israelites, the slaves, they're in turmoil, man. They're under oppression under, this, under the rule of Pharaoh, and they're being treated harshly. And Moses enters the scene, and Moses is a baby, and he's born. He's put in a river and sitting down the river. Like, good luck, you know, have a good luck, Moses. But luckily, God intervenes, and, and Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses, and so he's raised in Pharaoh's household, which creates kind of an identity crisis, I would think, for Moses. Because is he an Israelite or is he an Egyptian? So that's where we kind of left off last week. And this week we're going to set the stage, in case you haven't seen uh, Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments movie. Hashtag Ten Commandments. Yeah, this is a really good movie. Uh, but Moses, so he's, he's gone off to a distant land now, and, and he has a family of his own. And life for Moses is probably going pretty good. And Moses, he actually went from being on the lamb for murder to taking care of lambs. So there's beautiful irony there. In a funny turn of events, I went from being the goat, the greatest of all time science teacher, to taking care of goats. You can see the similarities. They're just mounting up between Moses and I. 
But Moses' law is probably uncomplicated. Those animals are super loud, and, but, you know, it's probably kind of uncomplicated and peaceful at times. And then Moses has this encounter with God. And Exodus 3, 2 through 7 is where we're going to pick up the story. So then an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from in the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not being consumed. So Moses said, I must turn to the side and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burning up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am, Lord. And then he said, God says, don't come any closer. Don't come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your fathers. The father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then Moses, he hides his face because he was afraid to even look at God. And the Lord said, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their outcry because they're taskmasters. Masters, for I am aware of their sufferings. And so Moses, he has this encounter with God at Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai. And this is where we see God and Moses start this conversation. And this is important to remember before we get into that is, is that when you see the word fire in the Bible, it should kind of like highlight your, your, your mind and make you want to figure out what's going on. Because God is often associated with the presence of fire, the word fire in the Bible. And we see it this week in the burning bush. We're going to see it later on in Exodus as, as the Israelites are protected and led by a pillar of fire in the desert as they escape Egypt. We're going to see it in Deuteronomy where it says the Lord is a consuming fire. We're going to see it in the New Testament where, where the Holy Spirit descends on the disciples as tongues of fire. So when we see the word fire in the Bible, it should be like this thing. like What's really going on here? What is God trying to say in this moment? Because God is associated with fire. Have you ever been close to fire? Man, it's hot and it burns and it makes you all sweaty. Like it's intense and power. Like, like fire is powerful and fire is consuming. In a lot of ways, fire is cleansing. But fire should always be taken seriously. In a lot of ways, God's like fire because he's powerful and he's consuming and he's cleansing. And God should always be taken seriously. And so even in the passage we just read, God speaks to Moses from within this burning fire bush. And he says, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. God says, don't come any closer, Moses. Don't come any closer. This is holy ground. And this is something important for us to remember because at this point in the Exodus story, there is a gap between God and between man that has not yet been repaired. And so when we studied Genesis a couple years ago, we learned that it was sin that caused this gap. We learned that it was us, that it was humanity, and then we started to define good and evil for ourselves, and we didn't want to obey God, and we did what we wanted to do, and it was sin. And it separated us from God, and it limited how close we can get to a holy God, and we see that in the Exodus story. And now let's look at some of these powerful takeaways as Moses and God have this conversation at the burning bush. And oddly enough, they all have to do with identity. God calls Moses by name, and then God says, I know all the patriarchs of your family. I know your lineage. And remember that Moses has this confused identity. Moses was born in, in like an Israelite, but then he was raised in the Egyptian household, and he was raised in this Egyptian 
culture. And sometimes he even walked like an Egyptian, right? But God speaks and he tells Moses, he says, Moses, that is not who you are anymore. That is not your identity. You're not who you used to be. And in one of the biggest exchanges in the Bible, God also identifies himself. He says that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this is where we pick up the story. And now come, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Moses is like, what? What are you saying, God? Don't you remember, God? Like, like uh, maybe I'm an Israelite. Maybe I'm an Egyptian. I don't really know. I've been on the run for like 40 years. Surely, God, surely you have me mistaken with somebody else. And it happened in my life. I think it happens in a lot of people's lives. We feel this calling from God. And we feel like God wants us to do something. But then we also want God to come up to us, put his arm around us, and gently pat us on the back, pat us on the head, and tell us it's going to be all right. And tell us all the good qualities that we have that are going to make us great for whatever it is God is calling us to do. And don't get me wrong, I would really appreciate that. I really would. And then when we don't get that kind of affirmation from God... We start to look for it in other people. We start to strive and perform, and we start to seek our identity from other people rather than God. We want them to tell us how good we are, how we're the perfect person for this mission that we believe God's calling us on, how we're going to be the great, man, like this is going to be great for you, this is going to be great. And then when we don't get that affirmation like we think we want it internally, we start looking and posting these vague status updates on social media. We put these inspirational memes. We do these quizzes about what kind of animal lives inside me. And you hit the button, like, platypus again? Come on. <laughs> and it's all because deep inside we're looking for affirmation from all these other things and all these other sources rather than looking for it from God. But this is interesting. So look at how God does respond. Because God doesn't say, like, I'm proud of you, Moses, and like you're going to be the perfect man for the job. Here's what God says. Here's his promise to Moses, Exodus 3.12. And God says this. He said, assuredly, I will be with you. Boom. That's like a mic drop moment. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. So God, he doesn't tell Moses, like, all these qualifications that he has. He doesn't tell him how good he is and all this stuff. Like, you're the best speaker. You dress so nicely. Your hair is on. No, he doesn't do any of that stuff. But here's what God does. He promises to be with Moses. That's his promise to all of us. God says, I'm going to get involved in this. God is the one who is empowering Moses to accomplish what God has called Moses to to accomplish. And I'm convinced that Moses was an introvert because I've been a goat farmer. And you spend this time alone, then you get in these big situations. You're like, it's tense, it's pressure. And it messes with you. And so listen to what what Moses says to God in Exodus 3, 13 through 15. He says, suppose I go to the Israelites... And say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, tell them this. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. 
I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And here it is. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. And if you have not read Exodus 3 and 4, I encourage you to sit down and read it this afternoon. It really is some of the like, coolest, game-changing chapters in the entire Old Testament for sure, probably the whole Bible. And if this passage about how God reveals his true name to Moses, like I am who I am, doesn't get your mind like racing and thinking, I don't know what else in the Bible really will because this is some good stuff. And it's funny because Moses didn't even realize all this. Moses is just worried. Like, he's worried. Like, he's running all these scenarios through his head. Like, what am I supposed to say to these people? How am I supposed to act? Like, what's going on? He, he wanted to be ready for a response. And I do this. Katie does this. I'm sure some of you do this. Like, we want to be ready with any questions. But at the burning bush, God has given Moses his personal name, his true identity. And so this is where it gets a little tricky. But most of you in your Bibles, you should have a footnote at verse 14 where it says, I am who I am, or an asterisk or a star or something. Because God's personal name is Yahweh. Or sometimes in our translations, that is translated as Lord in all caps, spelled out L-O-R-D. And I know what you're asking yourself because I asked myself this same question. If God's personal name is Yahweh, then why is it I am who I am in my Bible or L-O-R-D in all caps? Good question. So it's because observant Jews during this period of time in history, they held the name of God in such high esteem that over time they stopped saying the name of God even out loud. That's how in awe they were of God and his name. So in your Bible where it says, I am, or Lord in all caps, that's the writers giving so much respect to the name Yahweh that they don't even write it. And so later on, when the mainstream Bible gets published, the authors, the writers, started to use the, the word L-O-R-D in all caps in every place in the Bible where it's God's personal name as a sign of reverence and awe and great respect. Because up until now, God was known as Elohim and Adonai and all this other stuff, but it, but it was like characteristics of God. It was a classification of God. But now God is giving Moses his personal name. And in the Hebrew culture, like, your personal name was everything to you. It was your character. Your name told people all they needed to know about you. So in sharing his name with Moses, I am, and sharing his name, Yahweh, God is telling Moses who he is. He is the God of the ancestors of all the Israelites. So God is the God who was he is the God who is right now, and he is the God who is to come. God will to continue to exist forever. Like, I am here, and Stan is here because somebody existed before us. And all of you are here because somebody existed. But it's not like that for God. God has been forever, and God will always continue to be forever. God is the source of everything, and God will continue to be the source of everything. I know it's like hard to wrap our minds around. Imagine if you're Moses at a burning bush, and God is telling you all this stuff. And this is funny because, because Moses, he's wanting to know, what do I say to these people again? And God's like, hold up, Moses. I'm telling you my personal name. It's my care. It's who I am. This is a big deal. 
Because up until now, like the people had worshipped all these little G gods, and, and they weren't real at all. Like especially in Egypt, they had so many lower G gods, and people worshipped them. And it had to feel kind of impersonal because there were so many of them. And then when you did try to talk or pray to these little G gods, it had to feel distant and far away. And oftentimes throughout the history, we see people, they finally end up just kind of studying the stars. They start looking at tea leaves. They start throwing bones around, trying to figure out what the gods are trying to say. And it was an impersonal relationship, to say the least, because all these lower G gods were so distant from the people. And so now we're back. We're back at the burning bush with Moses and God. And remember, there's still this gap. There's still this gap between mankind and God. But God, Yahweh, in telling us his real personal name, is starting to close the gap. He's inviting mankind to know his personal name. And God says, you've been waiting for some promises. Remember we talked about the promises that God gave Abraham last week? What we're seeing in Exodus chapter 3 is a personal relationship, a promise that God made to Abraham is becoming, it's starting to become available to all of us. And Moses, he has all these worries and fears and doubts. What if they don't like me, God? What if they don't like my questions? What if they ask me questions? I'm not a good speaker. I sweat a lot. God, what am I going to do, God? Right? <laughs> I'm not a good talker. Send somebody else, God. Moses, in his worries, he missed the original point of this whole conversation because this is what's really cool to me. At no point in this conversation does God try to tell Moses that he's the man for the job because of any skill or anything that he has. And that personally brings me a lot of hope. And I hope it brings all of you a lot of hope as well. But we do see God validating Moses with what Moses does have. And this is where we pick up the story in Exodus 4. Two through five. So the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And he said, it's a staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it turned into a serpent. And Moses, he, he ran. He took off running. But the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he reached out, grabbed it, and caught it. And it turned into a staff in his hand again. And all this happened so that they may believe that the L-O-R-D capital Yahweh, the God of, the father, of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And so God says, Moses, what's in your hand? What do you currently have that we can use, Moses? What, what do you currently have? What do you got access to, Moses? This is God saying to Moses, I'm going to take this ordinary offering that you have, and then I'm going to breathe my life into it, and we're going to do extraordinary things together. That's what God is telling Moses. And even after all that, Moses, I don't know, God. You got the wrong person, God. I don't know if I can do this, God. Does that sound familiar to anybody here today? And then in Exodus 14, God's kind of upset with Moses because we've had this conversation for a few minutes now. And then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he says, is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be overjoyed. So God, he's mad, but also God is giving Moses so much grace right now. The God of grace in the Old Testament that's often overlooked. Because even though God is angry, 
and he, with Moses, and Moses is being a knucklehead, and he's, kind of, he's, not, he's just not listening. God is supplying Moses with everything he's going to need to do what God has called him to do. So in Exodus chapter 3, we see that the Bible, it shows us how much grace is actually in the Old Testament. And it should inspire us because in our flaws and shortcomings and mistakes and fears and doubts, God's ability to empower us and to use us is still there and for us to do something special. God has a plan for each and every person in this room and online. So then in chapter 4, we're going to see this kind of weird exchange between Moses and God. And it's kind of funny because Moses, finally he's off. Let's go, guys. We're going to do it. He's finally listening. He's moving towards what God had called him to do. And he's on his way to talk to the Israelites. And then God's like, oh, no, you're in massive trouble, Moses. Like, what? Your son has not been circumcised yet. You're in massive trouble. So circumcision, we go back to last week, we talked about the promises of God to Abraham. It is part of the original covenant that God made with Abraham. So circumcision is how, how the Israelites showed their faith. By doing circumcision is how the Israelites lived out their faith because all their sons were to be circumcised. And so God was mad at Moses because Moses had not followed that custom. But thanks to a quick-thinking lady with a sharp knife, <laughs> Moses was bailed out. His wife, she recognized the problem. She grabbed, like, hopefully an ultra-sharp knife, let's hope. And she said, bada-bing, bada-boom. And we don't know exactly how old Moses' son was, but it was probably an intense moment. So basically she grabbed him and said, I'm going to cut you. That's what I'm going to do. And then she flung the evidence at Moses' feet or did touch something. We're not really sure about all that. And Moses' life was saved because she did the right thing. She did the circumcision instead of Moses. And this is where we say, thank you, ladies, for always bailing us out, right? <laughs> and we see this over and over again in Exodus. We see this God, man, and, and he, he has so much grace. He's just pouring out all this grace on all these people that are knuckleheads, just like us. But we also see a God who cares about the details. And that's why he shows us with this. God wants his people to obey his commands. God wants his people to try their best to live a life of purity. God wants his people to live to their best ability a life of obedience. In Exodus, we're going to see a God of grace, and we love that. You're also going to see a God of great truth. And so after all those awkward exchanges, we move on to Exodus 4.29. And this is what we're doing this year. Praising God. So then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words to the Lord, or all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. He then performed the signs inside of all the people. So the people believed, and when they, when, when they heard that the L-O-R-D, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, was concerned about the sons of Israel, and that he had seen their affliction, then they bowed low and worshipped. So it ends with the word of God being spoken and the people worshiping God. Sound familiar? Happens every Sunday. So even before the Israelites are completely free, they start to believe that God is worthy of praise, that he's worthy to be praised. And they worship God because he was the God who paid attention. They worship God because he's a God who showed up. They worship God because he was Yahweh, the God of their ancestors the one true God. 
And so throughout history, we see this God who gets involved. Throughout history, we see this God who pays attention. Our God pays attention. Our God gets involved with our lives. And here's the thing we need to remember. He may not always do it like we think he should do it. Amen to that, right? But he's always involved. He's always listening. He bends down to listen. He always cares. And, and for that, he is worthy to be praised. And I hope as we read Exodus and see more and more of this grace and truth, this God that, that we're learning from the Old Testament, I hope that we're beginning to see how worthy he is to be praised. Because he is the God who was, he is the God who is, and he is the God who will be forevermore. And he empowers us, and he uses us, and he cares about us. And he wants a relationship with you. Like, he wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you online. He wants a relationship. He wants a relationship with each one of you. Because he is a God who cares. In spite of all of our fears and doubts and worries and concerns and shortcomings and all the questions, God wants to have an encounter with us, with each one of us, just like he had that with Moses at the burning bush. God wants to have a relationship with us. And for all of that, we should see that God is worthy of praise more than ever in 2024. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.